getting sober can feel really hard. And even after you start to feel better, you might wonder what's next. Is it all worth it? Why don't we have more stories out there about what people look like when they're living their best life sober, when they're dealing with life's ups and downs and doing it all without numbing out? On this podcast, you'll hear those stories. This is Sober in the Sunshine. Hi there. My name is Jessica. I am the host of Sober in the Sunshine podcast, and I wanted to introduce you to a little bit of my own story and the reason behind my starting this podcast and kind of what you can expect from it. Um, I wanted to start out by thanking Annika Omelia, the host of Mother Recovering Podcast. Annika interviewed me back in December 2017. I think I was episode 11 or 12 of Mother Recovering. And then I started helping her out with the podcast and switching off with her interviewing guests uh, the past few months. And it has been so much fun and I plan on continuing it. But thank you so much, Annika, for getting me involved in podcasting and for letting me help you with Mother Recovering. If you haven't listened to that podcast, please go find it on iTunes. It is wonderful. I started this podcast because when I first was looking at getting sober, I didn't really feel like I knew what sober life looked like. Um, I kind of knew what it was like when I took a few days off drinking um, and it seemed like it was just filled with anxiety. It wasn't the ideal life to me. So I kind of extrapolated that that's what life would be like if I got sober, um, you know, that I would just basically be stuck not having any fun anymore. Um, literally, that's what I thought. I kind of felt like, okay, well, when you quit drinking, you quit having fun. And so by the time I eventually quit in December of 2016, um, this last time that I quit, I think I had kind of resigned myself to, okay, well, this isn't working anymore. So whatever that is, meaning sobriety, I guess I hope it's better than this. But if it's not, I'm resigned to that. That's fine. I can handle it. Um, and it's so sad now, looking back on that, you know, that that's how I felt. And I felt like life was just kind of over if you stop drinking. Um, but I don't know how else you can really feel when so much of our social lives are revolve around drinking. Um, you know, I've been going to therapy uh, with the same therapist for the last 13 years, so we know each other pretty well. And when I first started looking at getting sober, she would just say to me, Jessica, your life, you are, you are surrounded by people who drink alcohol. Like, you don't really know anyone who's sober. And your life is not typical. And I just could not wrap my head around that. I, I thought, well, no, I mean, everyone who I spend time with is normal. You know, I didn't feel like a lot of my friends had drinking problems or anything. And, um, my husband is a normie, which is what we refer to as people who um, don't have drinking problems. Um, you know, my family members all have normal drinking patterns. So I figured, well, there's nothing wrong with the fact that everyone I know drinks, but, um, she made me realize that there are families out there where everyone does not drink. And actually there are like entire groups of people who don't drink and still have fun. Like children, for instance, um, you know, people of certain uh, religious backgrounds don't drink for religious reasons. And I'm pretty sure that they don't go through life just miserable. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. Um, I just wanted to let you know that the reason I wanted to start this podcast was basically to give people hope that 
sobriety can be fucking awesome. And uh, in my experience, it is awesome. My life is so, so much happier now than it has ever been. Um, and I do not numb out from anything anymore. Um, a few years ago, there's no way I could have imagined that this was possible. But um, I wanted to kind of show the world what people's lives look like when they um, stop numbing out and just kind of start living their lives um, without alcohol. Um, how much our brains can heal from that, um, how much bigger life gets. So basically, um, my drinking story was super similar to a lot of other people's. Um, in general, in this podcast, I'm not going to focus a ton on the drinking portion of people's stories because I feel like drinking just becomes boring and kind of rote. Uh, you know, it's it's just something that people end up doing in their houses by themselves for months at a time and then they quit. Um, so I think, um, I think what's important to look at in people's drinking stories is how drinking made them feel. Um, I am someone who had what people call a high bottom. I never had any sorts of outside consequences like, um, you know, like job loss or any problems in my marriage or anything like that. I never got a DUI, but looking back, it kind of, my drinking kind of reminds me of how kids grow. Like, my children, I look at them and um, it's amazing to me how much they have grown, you know, in a few months when I look back at pictures. But because I'm looking at them every day, I don't notice it. And I kind of feel like drinking is the same way. A drinking problem can grow just incrementally the tiniest bit at a time without you even noticing. And then all of a sudden you're drinking more than you want it to be. And it's really, really hard to get off that train. Um I don't know. Uh, I think I realized that I had a drinking problem for the first time, you know, like it smacked me in the face, realized it in November 2015. Um, but before that, I certainly saw signs. I mean, I remember talking to um, my friends, Amy and Lauren, uh, both of whom don't drink hardly at all. And, um, and realizing that I was the only one of us who was pre-partying, quote unquote, you know, having a drink before we went out to dinner or uh, ending out the night with um, a few drinks at home after we got home from dinner. And I remember feeling like this little twinge when they told me that they didn't do that um, because I thought, oh, I wonder if that's something I should be concerned about. But I wasn't. I mean, not outwardly. I just kind of, you know, made a mental note of it and figured, okay, well, I can always go back and look at that later. And I also remember reading an article about soberistas.com, uh, which is a, um, a platform for women, I believe, based in the UK. And I looked up the date when it came out. It came out in 2012. So I remember reading an article back when it was coming out and thinking, I should really mentally bookmark this because I might need this someday. That's not normal. Like, it's not normal to be like, I might need this stop drinking site someday. Um, but, you know, I, I kept drinking... Um, just like everybody else does, having drinks after work, drinking on the weekends with my friends, my husband, and um, I always drank a lot more than um, than my husband, for instance, but uh, I didn't really think it was a huge problem until November 2015. I realized it was a problem, and I went online and found an online sobriety group. Um, basically, I wasn't looking to quit drinking at all because that would suck. I was looking to, you know, 
basically figure out a way to control my drinking, right? Because there's no way you want to give it up. You want to control it. So the first step a lot of us take is trying to moderate our drinking. So I joined this online group for some ungodly reason. Uh, I decided to do a 30-day challenge with another new person on the group whose name is Candace. She's now a great friend of mine. And so we did 30 days sober together. And at the end of that 30 days, you know, I had no plan. So I just figured I was kind of cured and I would drink occasionally and I would feel very, you know, proud of myself that I could limit it to, you know, two drinks, three drinks, four drinks, whatever, whatever my number was for that night. Um, If any of you out there have gone through trying to moderate your drinking, you know that it's absolute hell. (laughs) It's so much worse than sobriety, which is something that took me a very long time to realize and come to terms with, but it is so much harder than not drinking at all when you are trying to moderate your drinking. Um, Because basically you're obsessed all the time with whether or not you can drink, how much you can drink. Um, And, you know, I say can in quotes, certainly you can drink your face off if you want, but when you're trying to limit it um, to maintain the illusion of control, it's it just has such a grip on you so you know at the time I felt like I was successfully moderating my drinking um when I look back on journal entries and I am not a huge journaler I do it on and off sporadically throughout my life but I'm so glad I journaled in the spring of 2016 because when I look back on those things I was miserable I was constantly obsessed with my drinking and I was really obsessed with you know not just when I could drink, but the fact that I was obsessed with it. Like I kept going, what's wrong with me? Why, why am I thinking about it all the time? Well, now I know that what was wrong with me was that I had to make a decision every single day. First of all, whether or not I was going to drink. Second of all, how much I was going to drink. It's exhausting. So after a few months of that, um, we had kind of a stressful family vacation. We have very little kids in our house. Um, They're currently two and four, but back then, you know, they were under a year and three. And um, on vacation, I just, you know, let myself drink like I, like I had before. And so I spent the next few months, you know, alternating kind of nights of binging, you know, maybe um, getting pretty drunk to, um, with, with periods of total sobriety. Um, because again, I was just trying to control it in some way. And I remember an appointment with my therapist during that time and saying to her, you know, I can go a couple weeks without drinking, but when I drink, I decided that the ideal number of drinks is eight. And she said, okay, well, are you comfortable having eight drinks? And I said, well, sure. If I'm at home and, you know, I'm safe and I don't have to go anywhere, I don't see why not. She was like, okay. Um, Meanwhile, she's just waiting for me to decide that alcohol doesn't work for me, but she was a very patient woman. Um, So that's what I was doing for a couple months, and it was just, it wasn't working for me. The thing that really did me in in the end um, wasn't just the space that drinking took up in my head. It was the anxiety. Um, I was diagnosed with severe postpartum anxiety after my first child was born back at the end of 2013, and it's just stuck around despite treatment for it. Um, over the past few years, you know, we had another child and it seriously has been a huge part of my life. Um, and I have found out that a lot of that was due to my drinking, but I didn't know it, um, until I quit and had a few months to dry out. 
So the anxiety was just absolutely terrible. Um, in the fall of 2016, I was having panic attacks. Um, every day I was, you know, I wasn't necessarily hungover, but I wasn't my best. And I just kind of felt like a shell of a person. Like I, I was just kind of surviving. I, I wasn't thriving in any way, shape or form. Um, and by that time, I had made some really good friends in the online sobriety group that I had joined. Um, Candace, Hillary, and Amanda, love you girls. Um, and we were all texting every day. And Amanda uh, and Candace quit in September 2016, Hillary in August. And so in December, uh, I woke up one day and I said, I'm just done. I can't do it anymore. My anxiety was just crippling. And I thought to myself, this is a one-way street and I've got to stop. Like, it's not ever going to get any better. Um, so I quit. And uh, December 6th, 2016 is my sobriety date. Um, and thankfully, you know, I had been interacting with that um, sober online group. And I had been going to, or I started going to Refuge Recovery, excuse me, um, in December 2016. And I still go once a week. And that's my recovery program. Um I do a ton of interacting on the online group. Anyone who belongs to the group will tell you a ton. Um, but I wanted also people to know that there is a way to get sober other than through AA. I think that 12-step groups are amazing. They have an awesome framework to um, help people, especially once people are able to, you know, to be sober. Um, they have such an amazing framework to help people deal with the issues that underlie their drinking. So... Um, I'm certainly not knocking AA, but um, you're going to hear from a lot of people in this podcast who don't go to AA meetings um, on a regular basis and who don't work the steps and haven't done that. Um, and the world is a lot bigger than you would have thought um, when you get sober. And there are a lot of different ways of doing things. But um, yeah, when I when I got sober for this last time, I was really surprised by how hard it was mentally. Um I didn't have a ton of cravings. I think I was just, I think I knew I was done, but it really was so difficult mentally for the first couple of weeks. And it helped so much to have a support system of other people who had gotten sober before me, who were just cheering me on and saying, you know, that they understood exactly where I was coming from. Um, I also started realizing when I got sober that I was a different person than I thought I was. I am a total introvert, and I had always thought I was an extrovert. Um, I'd really enjoyed going to parties and drinking a lot and, you know, socializing. And my sweet husband has been so awesome <laughs> dealing with, um, I think, like, getting to know the new me because I really am not that social. Um, and for the first couple months of sobriety, I did not want to do anything social, nothing. Um, we would have family over for dinner, and that was like – way more than I could handle sometimes. Um, but he's been really awesome about dealing with, um, with me, you know, kind of switching things up and we've been together a long time and it's been really nice being able to kind of just say, Hey, I know that I used to really like having people over, but I totally don't like it anymore. Um, and he's been great about being like, okay, let's roll with that. Um, Another thing that was important in early sobriety for me, other than figuring out who I am, was um, starting to build a toolbox. And we'll talk a lot about toolboxes in um, in this podcast. Basically, a sobriety toolbox is um, 
tools that you can use to stay sober. So in early sobriety, it's, you know, little things like thinking through the drink, um, basically trying to picture, you know, what the end result would be if you decided to pick up a drink that day. Um, it can be super simple stuff like having your favorite drinks around, um, getting plenty of sleep, you know, doing yoga if that's your thing. Um, but we will definitely talk a lot about what people's different toolboxes have, because that's a super important thing about getting and staying sober. Um, as far as my recovery story goes, you know, after early sobriety, I started really learning that life was actually kind of just cracking open. Um, I can't really think of a better way to, to say it than that. It, is so much bigger than I ever thought it would be. And that kind of sounds, you know, like sappy, but it really is true. I mean, lately I've been, um, I've been listening to some books about, um, recovery and about what alcohol actually does to our brains. Um, I've been listening to drink by Ann Dowsett Johnson, which is a very well-researched book. It's also kind of a memoir of hers as well. Um, but I highly recommend that book. And then, um, A Naked Mind by Annie Grace, which is a book that kind of helps you, I guess, program your self-conscious to um, realize that alcohol really isn't necessary in life. And um, it's it's a really refreshing look at uh, how society, uh, you know, handles alcohol and how we are taught basically that it's this glamorous thing. And that's really just an amazing marketing scam. So anyway, um, I've been listening to those things lately and I've realized that alcohol just affects your brain so much. I was texting with Amanda today, uh, the girlfriend I mentioned earlier, and um, we were talking about the fact that when you go to a concert now in sobriety, which is not my favorite thing, like I said, I don't really like social things that much, um, but you notice the feeling of the music in the room and the lights and everything so much more, and it's because your senses aren't dulled in any way. Um, it's kind of like living life in high definition as opposed to just regular, boring, old 1980s TV. It's freaking incredible. So I don't know. I mean, that's what my life is like now and what my life was like then. And it's a thousand percent better. It's so much better. Um, I'll talk about it more as I do interviews with people, but I just wanted to introduce myself to you and tell you thank you so much for listening. And I hope that I will do a good job of, um, introducing you to people who are living their best lives sober. Um, and I have to thank my friend Bridget, who introduced me to the book Stumbling on Happiness. It was written by a social psychologist named Dan Gilbert. And that book basically says that we are terrible at predicting what the future will be like for ourselves. So when you're trying to picture sobriety, you're going to do the thing that I did back in the day, which is picture one day being sober you know, take extrapolate from one day being sober and think that's what your whole life is going to be like. And Dan Gilbert's book says that the best way to know what a future event is going to be like is by talking to people who are who have gone through that event, who are on the other side of it. So I think the best way to know what sobriety will be like is to hear from people who are already living it. And that's what this podcast is all about. I'm really excited that you've decided to join me today, and I hope you'll come back next week. Thanks again for joining me for the first ever episode of Sober in the Sunshine podcast. If it didn't sound perfect, that's okay with me. I'm not trying to make it perfect. I'm just trying to make it real. So I hope that you enjoyed. And if you have any questions for me or you'd like to get in touch with me, please feel free to reach out. My email address is soberinthesunshine at gmail.com.
Until next time, stay strong. Bye-bye.